We need to talk about the rule of law. A podcast by Verfassungsblock and Deutscher Anwaltsverein. We need to talk about the procedural and organizational rules which shape the judiciary. These rules are mostly made by ordinary legislation and rarely draw much public attention. Seemingly rather technical and pedantic stuff for the most part, but at the same time hugely consequential for the rule of law. We need to talk about court packing. We need to talk about fiddling with the retirement age of judges. We also need to talk about the duration of proceedings and about limitation of limit liability in time, about judicial efficiency and effectiveness, and the corrosive consequences it has when people no longer with confidence seek justice in court because the court just won't deliver. I am Max Steinberg. We need to talk about the rule of law, a podcast by Verfassungsblock and the German Bar Association Deutsche Anwaltverein. And our guests this week are Andra Spocker, the former president of what was then known as the Hungarian Supreme Court, and before that, for 17 years, a judge at the European Court of Human Rights, and to my knowledge, the only former ECHR judge who has also a landmark decision of the Strasbourg Court, whose name is Plaintiff, which we will get back to in a minute. I will further talk to Maria Rosaria Guglielmi, a prosecutor in Italy and the vice president of the association Magistrat Européen pour la Démocratie et les Libertés, European Judges for Democracy and Freedom, MEDEL. And I will talk to Christoph Möllers, who is a professor of constitutional law and jurisprudence here at the Humboldt University in Berlin, and one of our most visible and esteemed public intellectuals in Germany. A very warm welcome to each of you. Hello. Hello. Judge Bakker, four years ago, you won one of the most important cases about judicial independence before the European Court of Human Rights in Strasbourg, Bakker v. Hungary. In a nutshell, what was that case about? What did the court decide? And what was the effect of this verdict in Hungary in general and on your judicial position in particular? Well, thank you very much for the introduction and for, for the invitation also to, to be able to work, able to work with you. As far as the case is concerned, I think I, it's, I never dreamed about to go back to Strasbourg as a I mean, after being judged in Strasbourg and go back as an ordinary applicant. But unfortunately, I think the circumstances forced me to, to do that. And I think I wanted to show with this case what's going on and what's happening and what was the Hungarian situation and what is partly the Hungarian situation. I, I got elected uh, for a period of six years uh, in 2009. And I was dismissed uh, from office on the, on, as from January 2012. I served slightly more than two and a half years. Uh, the situation was, uh, well, which forced me to, to speak up for, for the judiciary and the judicial independence. I mean, there are several, there, I, I had several reasons for that. I had the power and I had the right and also the obligation to, to, to be able to comment uh, the planned legislation of the government. And of course, uh, there were several, several legislation theft which uh, forced me to intervene. But I think probably the most important and the most uh, well-known was, was the reduced retirement age of the judges. I mean, it was enacted to to the transitional provisions of the new constitution, and was, which was adopted within eight days without any consultation of the judiciary, without any consultation of, the, of either, either with me or, or the judicial council or any of the, the judges and organs of the judges. So it, it came, uh, I mean, traditionally the retirement age uh, of the judges were in Hungary, I mean, 70 years old, uh, 70 years, uh, which is uh, which is uh, was reduced to 62 uh, within eight years. Just imagine the situation that you that if somebody has a statutory statutory uh, possibility to retire at the age of 70, and within eight days uh, the legislation changes and 
and reduce it by uh, to, 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 to 62. Well, I, all, all it, this invoked enormous reaction among, reactions among the judges. I mean, all judges, organizations, Supreme Court, uh, other organizations like uh, Council of Judges, and, and uh, everyone was uh, criticized, uh, harshly criticized. I wrote a letter, an open letter to the, to the Prime Minister on the, on the day of the vote uh, in vain, and it was enacted. And of course, this was a, a very serious and probably the, one of the most sort of harsh attack against any judiciary since the Second World War. Uh, and that, that was the first. It was not a hidden attack. It was it was quite obvious. For I I read a, recently. I read a, a, a book uh, of the former former uh, president of the Supreme Court of the Netherlands uh, concerning rule of law, and he said that he he compared the situation to the uh, Dutch situation when. Uh, when uh, the German occupation of forces occupied the Netherlands, Netherlands, uh, they dismissed the president of the Supreme Court and also lowered the retirement age of the judges. Uh, uh, the situation, of course, uh, I mean, the means and the tools are uh, similar. The historical situations are, are different, but nevertheless, they they also filled up or filled in the the. Uh, uh, vacant positions with rapid, uh, rapid, uh, with extreme rapidity, and that was an attempt to change the top level of the of the judiciary. Uh, nearly 280 judges were were affected. I mean, top level judges, court leaders, court uh, functionaries, or highly experienced judges, they had mm. to leave. Of course, they were uh, some of them. Only two were, were reinstated after the decision of the of the Court of Justice in Luxembourg, but nevertheless, it was a, 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 a serious uh, attack against the judiciary. So I criticized that, and I criticized other statutory arrangement, ex especially changing the structure of the judiciary and giving all the powers to the to the government. Uh, 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 the, the parliamentary, uh, the, the person who elected by the parliamentary majority, giving all the power to the president of the National Judicial Office. This was this was a major uh, structural change, and I criticized that because this gave the power to the to one person without uh, with uh, enormous power. She was the one who decided who who, is go who would be the judge in Hungary, and uh, who is going to be promoted, and and uh, uh, also he was uh, she was able to allocate cases among courts, to take one case into another. So, I mean, I criticized also that. So, as a consequence of all of this criticism, I don't want to go into the details because I mean it's not well known except about the retire early retirement of the judges. So I criticize that uh, with, my, with my power, with my, with my best intention. And I mean, I, I didn't express any political views. My approach was strictly professional. And, and as a consequence of that, I mean, the government enacted a new legislation, renamed the Supreme Court. And right now the Supreme Court is called Curia. And uh, using this possibility, I mean, they pretended that the Curia is a new institution, and if the Curia is a new institution, the Curia needs a new president. A, a new president is needed to the Curia, and on this basis, I mean, I, uh, I was I, a new president was elected because they added a new criteria to be a president, uh, namely, to be a president of the Curia uh, five years. Uh, uh, Hungarian judicial work was required, not counting the, my, my 17 years in Strasbourg, not counting that I was also a member of the Court of Appeal in, of Budapest. Uh, well, and that's, that's it. 
Um, so this was basically an, an, a deliberate attempt to get rid of you. Yes, that's, that was it. But I, I think, I mean, not my case is interesting in this situation. The case itself is very important. And I think the case was, uh, was translated uh, to several languages. I don't know how many, but around 20 languages. And uh, I, the case is used as a university material in, in several universities. I mean, in the Netherlands, in, in, in Spain, in France, and, and, and several countries. And that was my intention, to, to point out that it, this is impossible to, to change the judges and to change the judiciary, no matter uh, by what means, but in order to create a, a more loyal judiciary to the, right. to the power and to the... And, and also, I think the, uh, the, the court said uh, a couple of important things in this case, uh, especially when, uh, when the court pointed out that the separation of powers is a, has a growing importance nowadays. And also, judges have the right to, to criticize or to, to be involved in a, and, and speak out, being able to speak out in matters which concerns judiciary. And I, I think it's a very important uh, uh, ruling of the court and a very important part of the judgment entitling the, the, the judges to speak out, even if uh, the question, questions of judiciary are having uh, serious, sometimes political implications. The decision so, is, has not been implemented in, in Hungary up until this day, right? I think the, the ministerial uh, committee has only a few days ago Yes, renewed uh, its... that's right. That's absolutely right. I mean, as far as my personal uh, satisfaction is concerned, it's I, I was paid. I, I got the demand what was awarded uh, to me, but this is not important. What is important that in Hungary is still there. There are practices that uh, judges uh, who are speaking out or who are expressing opinions. I mean. They are uh, they are punished for that, and 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 that's why the committee of ministers, which is responsible for the implementation of the judgment, said that this hasn't been implemented. This part of the judgment hasn't been implemented. I understand that um, currently the Hungarian government is about to try an even maybe even more artful way to control who gets to be the president at the Curia. As well, the Supreme Court is now called. What is that about? What yes, is going on uh, I mean, respect? if you followed what I said, uh, I, I, I said that the, uh, when they renamed the Curia, they inserted a new rule saying that uh, it is a requirement to be, a to be elected as a president of the Curia to work as a, in the judiciary in Hungary for five years. And the national judicial work and, uh, and other work uh, didn't count. Right now, they changed this rule. And, and they said that the international judges and also constitutional co-judges and, their work and uh, the, the candidates work as international judges or constitutional co-judges count. So it is included in the five years now. So when I... My case was uh, decided that, I mean, my, my uh, uh, international uh, uh, judicial work was outside of, the, of this five years limit because I, I worked less than five years as a judge in Hungary. Right now, they extended the scope of the conditions of the elections, saying that international, uh, international judicial work and working on the constitutional court is included in the five years. And, and also there is another rule that uh, it's never been, no one has ever been elected as president of the Supreme Court who was not a judge, of, who was not a member of the judiciary. So no matter for how long uh, all the presidents of the Supreme Court were for longer or shorter period member of the judiciary. And, and I think to be a judge, it is an attitude, it is a way of thinking. So uh, it is, you have to learn how to weight the different arguments against each other. I mean, 
right now, right now the new uh, candidate to this uh, position is uh, was uh, deputy uh, prosecutor general, calls working uh, mate of the of the president of uh, the present uh, prosecutor general, worked uh, five years at the constitutional court and had nothing to do with the, with the judiciary, with the ordinary courts and with the judiciary. Never have had any kind of, of judicial work. I mean, constitutional, being a constitutional judge, it's, it's quite another, quite another task and quite another uh, work. I mean, uh, it's, it's, they are politically elected, more or less politically elected. They are very rarely dealing with uh, individual cases. It is not like the European Court of Human Rights, dealing with inter individual cases, expressing, uh, of course, all general views as well, but but on the basis of the individual situation. Uh, constitutional judges are, are in, in most of the countries, of course, not without exception, in Germany, in Spain, in, in, in the Czech Republic, and also in Hungary, they are dealing with certain number of individual cases as far as their constitutionality is concerned. So, well, right now the situation uh, is, is like that. Uh, the new candidate of the President of the Republic was voted down by the, by the National uh, uh, Judicial Council by a great majority, so 13 to 1. But well, my, I don't want to uh, predict, but my estimation that he's going to be elected anyway, so it's, it doesn't really matter. And, uh, and a president okay. has enormous power to allocate cases among, among the chambers, to, to create and to uh, discontinue uh, chambers and put uh, judges to different chambers and to and to create parallel chambers. And, and uh, so we don't have the automatic allocation of cases, uh, mm -hmm. and, and, which is, uh, I think, would, would, would have been very, very important, would be very important. Mm. Allocation of cases is crucial because it excludes maneuvering. Thank so, you very much. Judge Guglielmi, we, we've talked about forced retirements, we've talked about early termination of judicial office uh, terms of, of judges, uh, and we, we've talked about the maneuvering of the current uh, maneuvering of the, of the Hungarian government. All of this is a strategy to clear the way for packing the court system with government loyalists, and now more than ever. Hungary was the first EU member state to try that strategy, but certainly not the last. Did the EU try to intervene, and if so, to which avail? Thank for the opportunity to bring you as well the perspective of uh, Medal. The promotion uh, of the rule of law and the independence of the judiciary as an important um, aspect of the rule of law is a part of our uh, core mandate. And from the standpoint of Medal, I can say that the challenges for the rule of law, um, unfortunately, cannot uh, any longer uh, be reduced to the point of the formal guarantees of independence of uh, the judges, because the populist government apply uh, indeed complex strategies uh, to reduce the possibility uh, that the legality of their uh, policies is subject to judicial control without making direct inroads uh, into judicial independence, but rather uh, modifying elements of legal framework that regulate uh, judicial work and procedure, the importance of which uh, is less easily uh, understood by the general public. And there are many vari variations of this strategy that is adapted to the specific feature uh, of each legal system and exploits its weaknesses uh, or builds on pre-existing uh, uh, political debates. Uh, 
the most striking example is, of course, that of Poland, Hungary and Poland. Poland, where the distortion of ordinary procedural uh, patterns is endless. We just can mention disciplinary proceedings for uh, judges who apply the decision of the European Court of Justice or the refusal of the publication of the decision of the Constitutional Tribunal uh, in the official journal or, or the introduction of a special appeal a procedure before a political appointed uh, court for the revision of final judgment delivered in the last uh, 20, uh, 20 years. Uh, the right to a fair trial and the rule of law in general um, are devoid um, of any substance when a judicial decisions uh, are not enforced. And all this disrupts uh, of course, the fundamentals of the rule of law impacting on the certainty of uh, law and fair trial and digging pressures on the adjudication process. This strategy is something apparently uh, not yet at the same level of Turkey, uh, where the annihilation of due process uh, uh, takes place with the dismissal uh, a mark of judges and prosecutors without legal remedies, even after the end of the state of emergency, and with the harassment and uh, mass arrest of lawyers uh, and their persecution for alleged uh, participation in the same activity of their clients. But nevertheless, this strategy this is something which creates a deep fracture in. Uh, generally accepted values and uh, assumptions. And Medel um, carefully monitored uh, all policies adopted by uh, European governments that can be considered uh, in their practical effects uh, as cost parking exercises. Uh, the case we monitor, of course, very carefully uh, are those well known of Hungary and Poland and beyond the borders of the European uh, um, Union uh, one cannot omit uh, to observe that uh, court packing is one of the components of the rule of law dismalentment uh, ongoing in Turkey is something that also um, predates the state of emergency when in uh, 2014 uh, a new law was adopted to add new chambers and new members to the Court of Cassation and the Council of State. So uh, when the law entered into force, the new High Council uh, for Judges and Prosecutors, dominated by pro-government uh, members, carried out the appointment with unusual speed. Um, I think um, that we can uh, enlarge the scope of monitoring uh, beyond the situation where uh, one, one observes judicial appointments tailored uh, to have courts positively oriented uh, towards the action of uh, the executive power. In the perspective of making uh, the judiciary a powerless branch uh, of the state, one can reach uh, significant results also by not appointing judges. I mean, leaving empty uh, certain key positions or accepting to have several understaffed courts or understaffed prosecution uh, offices. So also act on retirement uh, age on positive ways, meaning postponing retirement can uh, in some cases likewise give to uh, the government majority a way to influence the composition of the court uh, that has, for example, specific cases under adjudication. This something was something under discussion, for instance, also in Italy, uh, a few years ago, uh, when 
soon after the reform, uh, the welcome reform that reduced uh, the uh, retirement age, uh, the government uh, adopted a law degree uh, to postpone the retirement, retirement age of the holders uh, of key position uh, uh, within the course of the taxation. And it is probably to note also that there are situations when the rule of law uh, can be jeopardized the other way around uh, by the impossibility to have a judiciary in place. Um, we can just mention uh, the not often discussed situation uh, of Albania that is currently uh, facing a relevant constitutional crisis. The judicial reform in 2016, uh, which created uh, new institutions and promoted the re-evaluation uh, process for all judges and prosecutors, the so-called vetting process, went too far uh, from what expected because the country does not have a functional constitutional court, court since 2018, and the Supreme Court has not operative for more than one year, and at the moment uh, it has only three members out of uh, 19. So um, this is a very complex situation. <laughs> yes, obviously. Um, Christoph Möllers, we've heard uh, these, all these incidents, uh, all, all these instances of um, legislative and executive uh, attempts to, to tamper with, with judicial independence. To which extent would you say is leaving the judiciary alone uh, a key feature of the rule of law? Well, it very much depends on what you mean by leaving alone, obviously. I think one problem is generally that we can see very many cases that are, we see some cases that are somehow clear, like Poland or Hungary, you have retroactive tampering of, you know, people who are in place. But on the other hand, we see other cases in which we would assume that there is no mean political will behind something, but the structures are problematic too. I mean, we can say the CJU, for example, has renewal of, of the terms of judges. That is a problem of judicial independence. Um, we have um, very powerful presidents in many courts. The CJU, again, would be an example. Um, we have obviously um, many cases in which um, um, the structures and organizations are not ideal, though we no, would never um, assume that this is done for authoritarian reasons or, you know, as a means of populism. It's just the way it is done. So that is a problem to find general rules that make courts waterproof. And the second problem, obviously, is that courts somehow need some kind of legitimacy. So at least the appointment is always something very fragile because the solution is not necessarily that judges can appoint themselves when we have that in Spain in a way in Romania and other countries but and it's recommended by the Council of Europe but the experience with that are quite mixed actually it leads to factionalism within the judiciary um, it is somehow um, judges become a case somehow something very aloof so I think judges in even a well-functioning system judges have to be appointed by someone else so when we see that, I think we, um, we somehow have to look for some kind of core um, of a judicial independence that is probably not really a problem of appointment. I think the judges have to be appointed probably by, 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 by political powers and in, in some of the other um, um, way, um, but of when, what judges do when they're actually in office and how they operate. And, and obviously there, things like defined terms um, allocation of cases by general rules, uh, depolitization of the internal structure of the court, probably a peer equality between judges and not a presidentialization of the system. Um, there are many things I think that could be recommended in, on, more, on more general terms, um, which would not mean that um, the judiciary is an island. Still, you know, I think one of the more sad or sadder um, results of what we see in, in countries like Hungary and Poland is that yes, what they did is probably a flagrant violation of the rule of law, retroactive, disciplinary chambers, all these things are clear cases. But then again, when we assume that Peach or, or Orban would be in office for 10, 15 years and somehow, you know, retirement kicks in and things are somehow going the usual way, well, they would have the power to reappoint judges and this would somehow change the landscape. So one of the, I think, most disquieting factors we can observe is that you can actually appoint new persons 
with the same law and with the same procedural rules and get different results, which makes the whole idea of the rule of law a little bit, well, fuzzy, because you can see how much it is dependent actually on the actual persons who are working. And, and this, uh, I think, leads to the final conclusion that what you actually need for appointment procedures is something like political pluralism. I think rules that somehow empower uh, as many uh, as many political um, actors as possible to somehow contribute to the um, appointment procedure so that we don't have something like a monocratic structure which only one party or one organ is, um, is capable of appointing all of them. But still, you know, um, this is something quite illusory given the, um, well, the many fine techniques you can still have to influence judges who are in office. We, we are talking about Europe, of course, but when we address the topic of, of court packing uh, in these days, it's obviously <laughs> on everybody's mind. On this very day, uh, Trump's nominee for the Supreme Court, Amy Coney Barrett, and she'll be most likely confirmed, cementing a six to three right-wing majority in the court. And that in turn has stirred an, an intense debate about whether or not the Democrats in the event of a victory on November 3rd should pack the court to be that right-wing majority. Is there such a thing as a, as a good court packing scheme, Christoph Morales? I don't think so. <laughs> I must say, when we remember the first, when we remember the Roosevelt days, 1936, when Roosevelt was considering this having actually huge majorities in both houses of, of the um, um, Congress, um, even there it was very hard for him even to, to talk about that, um, not, not leaving alone to get a majority for that, for good reasons, because I think in the long run it would somehow de deflate and devaluate the judiciary as a whole. You can do that, you know, and can get some kind of majority for, for perhaps a decade or so, but the institutional integrity of the whole thing is somehow blown apart by that. Uh, and therefore, you don't really, you can, you can achieve middle range um, aims with that, but you don't really um, secure the constitutional structure. I think the wiser thing to do is somehow to change the political landscape and the context in which the judges are operating. And that means, in a way, yes, in an informal manner, political pressure as a matter of what is the majority discourse in order to tame them and to somehow get them um, beyond their own political agenda. Um, but to pack the court would be detrimental for the court and would therefore be detrimental for the whole system. I don't think there is a beneficial court packing scheme. Then, then again, there, there is such a thing as a captured court. And, and if, if there is such a thing as a captured court, one has to deal with the question what to do about it uh, um, and, and how to reinstall it in, in its uh, um, um, previous position. So um, I, I wouldn't want to argue that the, the, the U.S. Supreme Court is there yet, but other courts, like, for example, the Polish Constitutional Court, certainly are. Now, Judge Baca, what would your um, advice be in that, in, in, in that situation? Um, do you think that this, the, the sort of, of, of hardball that uh, these populist authoritarian regimes in, in Middle, Central and Eastern Europe have played call for, a, for an equal... Uh, strategy uh, on the part of their opponents, or what would your advice be? Well, thank you. Mm -hmm. uh, I, first, I would like to react uh, what what Christoph said, uh, and I quite agree with that. That court system is not an island; uh, it's not a separate area, it's not a separate territory. It's part of the system. It's part of every system, and of course, uh, appointing judges. Uh, the politic, politicians and, uh, and, and also uh, well, the parliament uh, uh, has certain right, and this right is different in, from country to country, to appoint judges and to, to, to change the system and to improve the system. Uh, the problem is that, uh, the, problem is that uh, the judiciary is never alone. It's, it's, it's an integra integral part of, 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 of a system integral part of a system which based on on, judi on, on legislation, uh, executive and, 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 and the judicial system. And of course, we can, I also agree with what you said about uh, the US, US uh, Supreme Court and uh, appointing a new judge. It's, it's, I don't see, uh, uh, the, uh, the US system is different. It's much more political. I mean, judges can, could, could, uh, uh, arrive to, to the judiciary uh, uh, after a political career. 
I mean, it happens very, very, very often. Very, but even if, uh, uh, and, and, and being a conservative judge, it doesn't mean, it doesn't necessarily, being conservative means that in certain issues they are conservative, in certain other issues they are not so much. I mean, the best example that uh, uh, probably Antonin Scalia, who said that what really makes, what, set, what set, sets apart uh, the U.S. Uh, system from other countries, this is the separation of powers. So he didn't deny the, the very basic, the separation of powers. Some, uh, in, in Hungary, the situation is that there is no separation of powers. Uh, I mean, and, and uh, if you take a look at the, at the European scene, I mean, Parliament is very much, sometimes very much against, against the government. I mean, just think about the Brexit. Many times uh, the Parliament voted against the Prime Minister and against the solution that, uh, that was suggested by the Prime Minister, not talking about uh, whether Brexit is good or bad. I'm just talking about that the system works. I mean, in Hungary and in Poland, the system is, is, is a unified system. It's a unified system. And the only different and, and, and a little bit separate part of it is, is the judiciary. And probably the judiciary is the only one who can well, restore yeah. somehow the balance. And, uh, and, but also, we have to be very aware of that the judiciary is the weakest part of the of, uh, behind the parliament and, and, and the executive. Judiciary is the weakest. And we don't, and, and this is where I'm going back to, to your question, Without outside help, without uh, outside help, it's impossible for the judiciary to 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 win this fight, or at least uh, equalize better this fight uh, for 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 occupying the whole judiciary and be and, and taking part of the of the of the system, like in a, in, in the totalitarian states. So. Well, I, I I don't have the clue to to, but I know that that this is already a tendency. In I was I got invited to the first congress of the of the Polish judges, and I, I delivered a speech speech, and I I heard the voice of the Polish judges, and and there were one thousand three hundred judges present on the, on this congress, and I was astonished at how much. Uh, energy and how much willingness was expressed uh, on this on this on this congress but no matter how strong and the judges and how i mean they need outside help and i i think outside means uh, well of course uh, political helps from uh, others but uh, but judiciary should not be part of the everyday political fight fight in the in the country I think we need we, we need an outside help. Uh, uh, we have institutions. We have strong institutions, European institutions, uh, uh, European Court of uh, Human Rights, uh, uh, Court of uh, uh, Justice, uh, the uh, the Union Court, and 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 also also we have the EU, and probably the Parliament is the strongest. Uh, possibility to raise their voice to, but nothing really has happened until now. Nothing really important has happened. I mean, probably it would have been better to intervene on some way uh, uh, to the Hungarian situation uh, in 2012, yeah. or 2013. I think it would have been the best solution to immediately react to the, to the situation. And of course, Nothing really happened. I mean, of course, a lot of institutions dealt with the situation, but but nothing really happened. And right now, this game inside the People's Party and the, and the Hungarian Party, I mean, it's a never-ending game. Being part of the People's Party or, or, or getting out of the party or expelling Fidesz uh, from the People's Party, I think it's a, it's a never-ending game. It's a political game. Uh, I think I think these judiciaries need some kind of help and uh, some kind of outside help, some kind of unified help. 
it's it's up to us. I mean, up to the voters to to change the system if they would like to. But I think it's everything is is very unequal, very unequal. Economic power, political power, uh, uh, press, uh, uh, an enormous press dominance. So it is. But right now, uh, the situation is that 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 uh, some of the Hungarian leaders are are expressly denying uh, denying the separation of powers. Yeah, and this uh, is the idea of separation of power, which is was uh, uh, mentioned by uh, Antonio Scalia, the most conservative judge of the U.S. Supreme Court. I mean, this is exactly um, what makes the situation so worrying that there are, is no realistic political uh, way to change the situation anymore because by means of changing the institutions and the procedures of democracy basically all these options have been eliminated effectively yes. and, that, and and this leaves us in a situation where we have to take recourse to to, to legal procedures if that's true and that means um, the European Court of Justice Luxembourg Court has made some attempts already, as you have mentioned, um, back in, what was it, 2013 or something, up until this day. And, um, and time and again, we have seen the limits of the possibilities of the Luxembourg Court to intervene, partly um, because it takes the EU Commission to initiate a, 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 an infringement procedure and, and to take Hungary to court, and they are unwilling to. For, for numerous reasons, most of them political. So um, what are your expectations uh, with respect to the European Court of Justice? Is this, do you, do you have hope that this will really have an impact ultimately? If not with Hungary, then at least with Poland? And if so, how? Well, let perhaps start a look shortly. When I think that the European Court of Justice is always seemed to me quite a self-referential institution. I mean, they were very hesitant and somehow took some of the Hungarian cases with a very European Union way of attacking it, basically, not really kicking in human rights and not really taking the core issues as, as, as the part of the merits. And now they took the um, Polish question via, you know, judicial independence and Article 19 and so on and so forth. Um, and both, both, both case complexes somehow left the impression with me that they are mostly interested in a way in the integrity of the judiciary um, without really looking at the political context and without really stepping in, you know, basic, substantial human rights issues. Um, and that means it basically looks like a court that is basically protecting its own turf. And, um, and therefore, I'm not really very, um, w neither with regard to the CJU itself, nor with regard to the implementation of the cases in, in Poland, I'm not very um, optimistic. And I think the courts will not really solve, you know, courts will not solve uh, or will not save courts, I think. Mm -hmm. But the most promising venue we have at the moment are basically the negotiations in Brussels about um, the conditionality of the rule of law program and the question of the budget. And, and it, it's, it's, it's amazing to see that basically many member states and, and the most um, notorious case being Germany are not um, making use of their immense power um, of the purse um, to pressure, especially Hungary, into some kind of commitment in a way, in a way pretending to be blackmailed by Hungary while they are much less dependent on the money than Hungary is itself. So I think um, it's really much uh, the most promising when you are rule power politics uh, on the supranational level of the member states. And at the moment, actually, we would have a key to do that. Um, it's in a way a rare opportunity that is, uh, in a way, um, um, we are now seeing. And we can, I can say as a German citizen, I can just say I feel it's quite painful for me to see how, how reluctant and somehow... Um, moderate um, the German presidency is with regard to that and not taking responsibility for the whole. Um, and this is, but this is the only thing that could work. Um, while I don't really see the CJU um, doing much more than to, um, endorsing a finally quite formal idea of judicial independence. Um, Judge Kogiani, what would your answer be? I think that the European uh, Court of Justice um, as a made important step towards the protection of the rule of law, a ruling on the cases concerning the situation in Poland. And um, before this decision 
um, European Court of Justice uh, explain in, uh, in, in important decision uh, was the ruling uh, on the association of Portuguese judges uh, on 2018 that the rule of law is not an internal affair. Um, so this is, this is uh, I think, the most important uh, it, 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 key point when we discuss about the rule of law to just uh, that um, is not a question of uh, internal affairs or um, um, it, it, it is necessary that uh, all European countries have the same uh, standards of independence and that uh, the European institution has the adequate mechanism to monitor uh, in, in the, uh, according to this standard the level of the independence of uh, the judiciary uh, in, in Europe and to react uh, when reforms uh, are not in line with this, uh, with this standard. So, um, uh, in my opinion, uh, the decision, in the opinion of Medel, of course, the uh, um, European Court of Justice, dealing with the uh, systemic crisis of the rule of law in Poland, um, has made very important steps towards um, a thick no notion of the rule of law and the European notion of the rule of law. Um, uh, it, 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 of utmost importance that the European institution um, uh, acting, uh, reacting to the situation in Poland uh, as um, for the first time uh, is the um, new mechanism, new framework to protect the rule of law. Um, so I, I think we, uh, we have made some important steps and we need to uh, to continue um, towards this uh, um, direction because um, uh, we need to understand that um, we cannot have a, a system, a judicial system, we are, which are not independent in Hungary and <laughs> different uh, level of independence in the other European countries. So the, uh, we are uh, Europe, uh, the European Union is based on uh, the rule of law and the independence of the judiciary is an important part of the rule, is a fundamental part of the rule of law and, uh, and that's why we need to be sure that the European jurisdiction and all judicial systems have some level of independence, some guarantees for the independence. All right, thank you. Judge Baca, what is your answer? Yes, uh, well, I, I see the uh, role of the, of the European Court, uh, uh, but the, uh, don't forget that the European Court is based on the, on, the, on, the, on the European law. And the European law, when it was created and the treaties were created, I think uh, never... Uh, really address the issue what what would happen if there is or there are countries which are on the on the margins of the European values. So European Court could play a, an important role whenever there is a, a very delicate uh, question uh, but the European Court is not able to 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 change structural problems of a country or a of a judiciary. I mean, just just to give you the Hungarian example, I mean, the retirement uh, issue, the early retirement issue went to the European Court, reached the European Court of Justice, and they ruled on that. And they did it under the, under the head of discrimination, under the head of discrimination, because that was the only channel for the Commission to take the case to the European, European Court. And at the same time, uh, when I had a, a discussion with the German, uh, with the former president of the German Federal Court, he said, it's a shame 
it is highly concerns the independence of the judiciary. I mean, the retirement age of the judges. And he was right. But the European court couldn't, was not able to handle, handle this situation under the umbrella of independence of the judiciary because there is no European provision to do that. So they did it under the, under the head of, uh, of discrimination. And, and, and I think it's true. So European Court of Justice plays an important role, but it, the issue is much broader. It's, it's much more, uh, it's much wider. I think, uh, I think it requires political solution. And I think probably right now, I, I, I don't have any other uh, suggestion to, to take more seriously the, the, the budgetary issues. I mean, the money, mm. it's painful. It can be very painful. The issue is that to punish the government, but not to punish the people. Uh, uh, and that this is the main issue, and I think it's a legitimate expectation. But something should be done because, because even the even the taxpayers of Germany, of of the Netherlands, of the Scandinavians, and and the taxpayers are demanding that that, and and it is legitimate to ask where the money goes and what's going to happen with the money. So I think it is also possible to, to generate the awareness of the public in those countries, telling uh, and motivate them to, to tell their politicians to, to take serious steps to, to control the way of the, 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 way of the money. And, and well, that's, that's the only possibility what I see today. Right. I do hope some German, uh, Dutch, uh, Austrian politicians do listen in uh, and, and let themselves be convinced by these uh, compelling arguments. Um, our time is up. Thank you very much for, for this, what I found a tremendously interesting and insightful conversation. I apologize for the sound issues we had. Um, we had trouble with the connection. Uh, I hope you enjoyed the, the talk as much as I did. And... Um, yeah, see you next week with another episode of this podcast. Next week it's going to be about the prosecutors, about the public prosecution, which has also been the target of executive takeover attempts and possibly a, a, a particularly threatening one at that. And this is going to be interesting, I, I hope. So um, um, have a nice day. And uh, thanks to our three guests, Andras Bakker from Hungary, Maria Rosario Guglielmi from Italy and Christoph Möllers from Germany and see you next week.